my intellect is very limited compared to the vastness of the universe. So I think if we tap into what is inside of us, which is, it's kind of hard to conceptualize, but I think what is really inside of us, what's inside of me is inside of you, is inside of everybody, is that same consciousness or intelligence. And we all have access to it and we're all connected to it. What's up everyone, welcome back to the transformation journey. My name is Emiliano. And in this episode, I am presenting to you a conversation I had with Elizabeth M. Likens. Elizabeth is a transformational coach. She is the CEO and publisher of Magnificent Metamorphosis magazine and is also the author of Reflections on Transcendence, a book whose subtitle is Everything you have been searching for is already inside you. And I would say this is an important part of today's conversation. Other things you will listen to Alyssa and I talk about are consciousness, book recommendations, how we all get inspired by fictional and non-fictional transformation stories, and much, much more. So let's get into my conversation of today with the great Elizabeth M. Likens. Right, so Melissa, you're an author, a publisher, uh, you're a transformational coach and a medical provider. And so I would like to know, how come are you a transformational coach? Well, the type of coaching that I do, there's all different kinds of coaching, life coaching, different styles. But basically, the style that I learn is how to transform people's lives. Um, that's the focus, not just um, helping people lose weight or quit smoking or, you know, there's a lot of types of coaching. Mm -hmm. And what's your job as a transformational coach? I am asking this uh, because my podcast is focused on transformation. So I would like to get deeper into that. So basically I coach people that are looking for a change in their life and I just facilitate turning them back to their own inner voice so that they mm -hmm. can transform their own life. I just point the way. Um, yeah, and, yeah. you know, there's skills involved in doing that, but um, I basically help to draw out of them what they need to do for themselves. Yeah, great. And well, also you're the author of uh, Reflections on Transcendence. And so I think that is a way in which you help people transform too, right? Yes. And actually, that's the way that I wanted to basically have a bigger impact because when you coach, you're just one-on-one -on -one with somebody or maybe mm -hmm. in a small group, but um, not everyone has the money to be able to afford coaching one-on-one. -on -one. So this is a way that people can make a change in their life, regardless of, you know, if they have very little money, they'll still be able to do it. Yeah. Um, as mm -hmm. long as they can buy a book or even get the ebook, which is really inexpensive. Yeah, true. And well, I would like to talk more about the book. So what is your book about so that my audience can get to, to know more about you and well, about the concepts in it? Well, the book is really about um, it's it's a number of quotes by famous people mm. and my reflections on them. So it's, it's somewhat diary like in that way. Um, there's a few, uh, there's a number of chapters that, but the very beginning of each chapter is just a very short bit of text about a theme, um, that will help a person to transform. So the whole idea of this is not to be an intellectual book, but to be more of a getting person out of their head and into a more reflective space. And that's why I use the art as well, because mm -hmm. when you're staring at art, you're usually not thinking of words. You're, you're yeah. 
And so the whole idea is to get, read a little tiny nugget of wisdom uh, and reflect on it. And then get the person out of their head and the hamster wheel that we all have going on in our brain about, oh, I need to do this. And what if this and what if that? Yeah. Um, this is to help us to get out of that and into a more um, introspective place where you can think about solutions for your own life instead of looking to other people to help you. Exactly. And well, actually, I think you did a great job there. And you also mentioned in the book, I think it's in the first chapter, um, three principles that explain the connection between the spiritual self and the physical self, right? And so I, I would like you to explain these three principles. Well, that idea, that concept uh, has been around for a long time, but the way that it was articulated in that particular way was by Sidney Banks. Uh, he's a, a Scottish born, but uh, lived in Vancouver in Canada. And he just describes a, a way that we operate from the inside out using mind, consciousness, and thought. So the mind, the universal mind is intelligence. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the divine wisdom of the universe or whatever words we want to, to use. Consciousness is just our awareness that um, there is something bigger than ourselves. And thought really is our way of interpreting what our world is like. Uh, and the problem with that, it can be good and bad, is because our body physiologically will respond with feelings to what our thoughts are. Yeah. And so that can be great and that can be a really big problem. And so trying to maneuver through life with just thought, we'll really get in trouble. Um, mm -hmm. But if we take those thoughts and the feelings that they produce, and sometimes we're not aware of the thoughts, but we can feel the feeling, mm -hmm. which leads back to the thought, um, then we can kind of make sense of that and try to get back into tap into the wisdom of the universal mind. Or yeah. sometimes it's in other disciplines besides Sydney Banks, it's called consciousness. So it's talking about the same thing, uh, which is universal wisdom that we all any living thing possesses, that's what, what gives us life. Mm -hmm. um, when that's gone, we're just uh, matter, you know, we mm, yeah. to decay. But that which makes us who we are is this inner wisdom, divine consciousness that is a part of every living thing. Um, and, and we all have access to that. Yeah. And I actually like that you mentioned, well, every living thing, um, because uh, I would like to know your thoughts on what makes us different uh, from other animals. So is it consciousness or just, well, that we have consciousness or our level of consciousness or what are your thoughts there? I think even the smallest of insects or even an amoeba has some sort of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I think It's just the way that the universe is experiencing itself in different ways. I mean, we look at the, even our physical world, there's all sorts of different kinds of creations. And I think that is just a way that maybe the universe is playing and experiencing mm -hmm. um, physical mortality. And so you, you can have a very different experience of life if you're an insect versus being a human being or you know, some other kind of an animal. But I think 
we all have consciousness, which is the in you know this divine intelligence that gives us life, animates whatever body we're in. Mm-hmm. And my- yeah, what are some habits or activities that can help us develop this consciousness? Just reflection, or what are what are things? Well, I think there's a lot of ways that people can reflect, but I think being in nature is a very easy way for people to connect. It gets you out of the um, more sophisticated type of life that we have, gets us away from our phones, from computers, Mm -hmm. uh, from traffic noise. Um, Personally, for me, I think the beach, I think the rhythmic sounds of the waves, the wind blowing, and you look at how vast that is, that gives me, for me personally, a tiny little sense of our place in the universe and how big it really is and how we're just a part of that. Yeah. And that's actually a transformative experience, right? It is for me. Yes. I love it. And well, now turning back again into thought. So um, in the book, you mentioned that happiness comes from within because I, I what I got or what I reflected was that it comes from within because we create our thoughts, right? And we can be conscious of which thoughts we are having. And so if we have the right thoughts, then we will perceive life um, in the right way or in a happy way. So is it that way or what's your perception there? My perception is that our brain, our human brain, uh, not the larger mind, which is a spiritual thing, But our human brain is very much like a computer. And so what experiences we have, it stores that data. And when something triggers the need to remember something, it activates that. And so in essence, we can't really control our thoughts because they just pop up. But what we can do is control the amount of attention that we give to them. So if a thought pops in your head and you give it a lot of attention and you think about what does this mean? What's the significance of that? Then all of a sudden you're going down this dark hole about that thought. Um, Or uh, another fine example I think is if someone cuts you off in traffic, which, you know, that happens all the time where I live. And so (laughs) if you let that fester in your mind and give that a lot of attention, then you start having really negative feelings and thoughts uh, about what may have about happened but didn't happen, like they almost cut you off, but they didn't, and you survived and nothing happened. And so if you just let that thought go right through you and just pass through your consciousness briefly, and then immediately you'll notice some other thought comes up, like what's for dinner? Or Mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow I have to take my kid to, to whatever. And so the brain is always very active. And so if you give attention to thoughts that are not very helpful, it can take you down a really dark path. But if you just let it go through you like the wind, um, then something else will pop up that's that's probably a little more helpful. And then if another uh, negative thought pops up, just let that one go. And just give attention to the good ones. Exactly. And actually, I want to know, are you familiar with the concept, well, the idea of the secret? Uh, in what context? Yes, and you know, there's this book, The Secret, which says that what you think, um, you start to manifest into the world. So yes. I-, I would like to know, is that how you 
perceive it uh, and how it works or or what's your what are your thoughts there I, I do I do agree with that because I think mm -hmm. what you think you feel and then you act and so what you think you become and you also attract uh, things that you're thinking and feeling so I know if I'm in a low mood I attract stuff that is more negative if I'm not in a low mood and I'm more in a, in a happy mood or a peaceful place, I attract people that are similar. And so I think there is quite a bit of something to that where you are manifesting or putting out to the universe um, the kinds of things that, that you're attracting hmm. and that, that, that you're attracted to also. Uh, I think when you're in a dark place, you are attracted to dark people because that's what you know. When you are in a good place or in a, a introspective place or a more spiritual place, you'll find people that think similarly. And I found that to be true in my life. And I, I believe that to be true. Yeah. And actually, uh, I relate one thing you said in the book with this. So in the book, uh, and I, I actually want to read the quote. So you say, um, each of us innately possesses a force within that is far greater than our human force alone. This force is the true nature of who we really are. So do you think that is sort of the secret we we're talking about? I do. And I think, I know I've come up with things in my life to do or say that really didn't come from my brain because I, my brain couldn't wrap around those ideas. It came from somewhere inside of me that I didn't really think about. It just popped up. Um, and when I listen to that, um, then my life is more stable. When I try to think of things myself, uh, my intellect is very limited compared to the vastness of the universe. So I think if we tap into what is inside of us, which is, it's kind of hard to conceptualize, but I think what is really inside of us, what's inside of me is inside of you, is inside of everybody. It's that same consciousness or intelligence. And we all have access to it and we're all connected to it. And so uh, it's really hard for the human brain to kind of conceptualize, but we have that ability to tap into that at any time when, we're, when we listen. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that when you are conscious of this, think this force that um connects us all uh you start to be more how do you call it maybe more kind with people right yes and with with and your I environment think, um, and animals yeah mm -hmm. yes and i think the way that i think it's really easy for me to to conceptualize this now that we've had star wars i think mm -hmm. the the idea of the force is brilliant um is This is something bigger than us, but that we all have. And, and not just if you're a Skywalker family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we all have that. And I think that movie series has helped people to tap into that in a way that you wouldn't really expect when you're going to a movie theater to get entertained, really. Mm. Actually, in your book, you also mentioned these, well, some things you can do to be to connect more with this force and also connect more with other people right but i would like you to mention some of these activities i think you 
you say things like breathing and then, um, you know, just being kind. So uh, what are some of these things we can do to be better with people? Well, I think the first thing and most important thing, and I, I know I can always be better at this, is when you're speaking to someone, most of us, when we're talking to someone, we're trying to think of what to say next mm -hmm. instead of listening. And I think if we really listen to people, and all of us can be better at that, myself particularly, if we really listen, we will see beyond what they're saying and we will hear what is coming from within them, that they have fears and concerns and um, basically a depth about them and a reason that they do certain things that might not be something that we like, but there's always a story behind that. And I think if we listen for the deeper story, then our relationships will be better. Even with people that disagree with us, we can understand where they're coming from and not hear their words, but see them as a, as a spiritual being that's connected to us. And I think if we keep that in our mind, uh, primarily, things get easier to deal with especially difficult people. Um, we can have compassion for them, which we otherwise wouldn't if we're just using our own human brain. Uh, we're usually repulsed by people that um, aren't very pleasant. <laughs> But if we go deeper, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, one thing I notice uh, with myself, you know, even if in these interviews is that many times I find myself just Um, thinking what will I say next or wh what will I ask and not just listening but I think listening could even bring me more better questions it does for me and I know that uh, you know I came from a background where you had to you know memorize what you're going to say or you had points mm -hmm. that you had to cover or but really things evolve in a more natural way if you just listen within you to what needs to be said next and it can go in a completely different direction than what you had planned and usually a better one mm -hmm. yeah and also again uh, now i am remembering um that you say in the book that as as young kids uh we we are more connected with other people and we are more focused in the present moment and that these are things that we start to lose as we start getting older, right? And so you also men mentioned essence and nature. What is this essence and nature? Is it the force we were talking about? Yes, I think those are just different words. It's really hard to place uh, labels and words on things mm -hmm. that are really concepts. Uh, and so sometimes we will use words that really don't adequately describe things, but uh, using different words their symbols really for a concept, then it's easier for some people to understand some words versus others. But I think when you watch little children, for example, they live completely in the present. I mean, even if they have a temper tantrum, it's over in a few minutes and then they're happy and playing. Whereas uh, as we get older and become adults in particular, we get somewhat fixated on a mood or on an idea and we're not very present. I mean, I remember when my daughter was little, she would just look at a, you know, a mud puddle and that would be just fascinating to her. And she would stomp up and down and, and you know, you forget as you're an adult, the wonder of what is around us. Um, 
And so if we can, you know, tap into that, it's still in there in our head. Uh, if, if we can just tap into that, it helps us to be more present, I think, uh, at the, the world around us, what's going on right now, instead of thinking about what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one thing I like to ask uh, in my interviews to authors is what lesson uh, do you think is the biggest in your book? Or what lesson would you hope that anybody gets? And I actually want just to mention one thing here. Um, so my biggest lesson from your book, and I want to know if that is sort of the thing you try to um, to tell people, is that, well, we have these three principles. Well, yeah, we have this, uh, well, consciousness, um, thought, and the mind, right? And so by connecting with this, Uh, and being present, we start to enjoy life more to get to higher levels of consciousness and of the mind and also to connect and interact better with our environment. So I think that was sort of my biggest takeaway, if it could be called like that. Um, but I, I want to know, is that what you tried to, to tell to people or what was it? Yes. And I think even deeper than that is that it's in the, really in the subtitle of the book. Everything that you're searching for mm -hmm. is already inside of you. And so most of us, myself included, um, look outside of ourselves for something to help us to feel better, to be better, to tell us what to do. Um, and really, if we can just put our brain on pause and listen within ourselves and not to others, then we will know what to do without, I mean, it's not to minimize that we need knowledge, but this inner voice within us will direct us for our unique circumstances at any moment, whenever we need it. And that's the, the even deeper message of the book is trust your inner wisdom. I love it. And how do you personally connect with this inner wisdom, like uh, with these activities of going to the beach and to the nature? I think uh, what that helps me, certainly. Um, being still, I think being really still, you can hear yourself and not other things. Um, I think music helps me too. Um, certain types of music, of course, you want to dance or you do different things, but more quiet, calm music, I think is really the language of the soul. It really creates feelings that don't have words attached to it or labels attached to it. And I think it can move people in ways that we really can't be touched in any other way. And I think that probably moves me the most, you know, nature certainly does, but We don't always have the luxury of being able to go out into nature, but music is on our phones and on our computers and, you know, everywhere. And so if there is some beautiful music, whatever is beautiful to you, um, music that moves you, I think even pausing just moments a day to listen to that really profoundly helps me. Okay. I will try to do that. Um, and also, I want to know, are you familiar with uh, the philosophy of, of Stoicism? Yes. Yeah. And well, uh, so I was going to say that um, 
you know, Marcus Aurelius has his great uh, diary and there he talks about many things related to what we are talking about or the things that you talk about in your book. And so I would like to know um, if there were any specific books uh, you used as inspiration for your book. Not any one in particular. I really looked to, uh, and Marcus Aurelius is quoted in the book too. I mean, mm -hmm, yeah. you know, he lived long, long ago and, you know, Roman Empire days. And the wisdom that I speak about has been around since recorded history. And even before that, I'm sure before people, you know, knew how to uh, document what, you know, their experiences were. That's the beauty of the universal uh, divine wisdom, divine intelligence. It's always been. And so different people throughout history describe it in different ways. Uh, but that knowledge is not exclusive to any one person. It's, it's been around since we've, you know, it's, it's mind boggling. It's been around forever. I mean, we can't wrap our mind around forever. Uh, mm -hmm. It's always been. Yeah, I, I like it. And actually, I was having this conversation with Owen Samaran in which we were talking about how knowledge is compounded from things that have already been thought. And I think it has to do with this idea that, um, yeah, the lessons and the mind have always been there, but yeah. we have just discovered them. Yes, Or, and I yeah. think we can add things to a concept with our own unique version of, you know, in our own, you know, patterns in our brain and, and knowledge that we have, you know, we all have, even if we grew up in the same family, we have very different experiences that, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and thoughts in our mind that we've stored away. So we can always add to that, but I think the basic concepts about things have been around a very, very, very long time. Hey guys, so in today's episode, I also want to share with you a book I recently got, which actually is today's sponsor. The book is called Getting Naked, and it was written by Joel Primus with Bennett's Art Coles. This book shares the hard-learned lessons and captivating story of the startup Naked Brand Group, founded by Joel. This company is a Nasdaq publicly traded company, which raised over $17 million and sold its products in department stores all around the world. This book shares the stories Joel has to tell about entrepreneurship based on his journey. In the book, you will learn many lessons around all the stages of a company, such as getting started, raising money, building a team, and letting go of the company. I personally find pretty funny the title of this book, but I also find interesting the story and the wisdom behind it. I am also in my transformation journey of becoming an entrepreneur, and cool books such as this one are helping me a lot to get in the process and go in the right direction. If the book seems interesting to you or you think it would be interesting for a friend, you can find it on Amazon by typing Getting Naked Book or by checking the link in the description of this episode. And now talking again about um, stoicism. So I would like to know what is your approach to death? Because, you know, uh, there is this stoic mantra of Memento Mori, um, but uh, again, your book is about transcendence and, you know, reaching other states of consciousness, right? And I would like to know what is your approach to death? 
to your own and to others' death? So my feeling is this spiritual self that animates us. And, and really my basic belief is that we are all spiritual beings mm -hmm. housed in a mortal body. And so when the mortal body can no longer sustain us, we return to the consciousness that we came from. And so it's really hard to wrap one's mind around that. But, you know, I, I've lost some friends recently to death and I feel that they're with me in a very literal sense and not just, you know, floating in a cloud somewhere or, you know, meeting up with other previously deceased people. I think that we return to that spiritual state that is in every single one of us. So therefore it returns to us. Uh, it's, it's a really difficult concept, but that's um, what I think happens. Uh, it's been spoken about by many people. Um, and so I, I think that is really what happens. I don't believe that there is a magical place of heaven or hell. And if you're bad, you are, you're punished forever. And you know, I don't, yeah. I don't believe in that. Uh, I think life is much kinder than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, again, uh, talking about Marcus Aurelius and about stillness. So uh, in his book, well, this actually has to do a little bit more with obstacles. But in his book, he says um, that there is no obstacle bigger than yourself and then your soul. And you also talk a little bit about that um, in your book uh, about the, the beauty of adversity. And so I, I would like to... I would like you to talk about that and why adversity has a beautiful side. Well, we usually think that it's just the most horrible thing ever. But mm. when we come across an obstacle, it is an opportunity to learn. And that's why we're here, really, is to learn. And if we only chose really happy things, it would be kind of a boring life, really. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we would just be stuck with a very limited set of things. But usually in every horrible event that happens in our lives, and you know, some people have more horrible things happen to them than others, there is always a lesson in it for us where we could not possibly have learned that lesson in any other way unless we experienced that trial or that challenge. And it's not something we seek out, but that is what the universe hands us. Mm -hmm. And while we can't choose what comes our way as a problem, we can choose how we see it. We do always have a choice about that. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the people that I, in history, recent history, that I really admired was Anne Frank. When you think of the horrible, situation that she was in and she's just a teenager and remained very positive about her tormentors uh, and so you know you you do have a choice about how you see what is happening to you to where it doesn't hurt your internal self they may hurt your external self but what is inside of you cannot be touched unless you allow it 
Yeah. And actually, uh, now it comes to mind the quote. I think it is from either Robin Sharma or Colby Sharma. And it says something like, a, be uh, a difficult day for your ego is a beautiful day for your soul or something like that. And I think actually yeah. adversity is helping us understand better even ourselves and our nature, right? Yes, and I think if we don't have adversity, we really don't have much of an opportunity to understand what it feels like for people who have different circumstances than we do. Uh, when we go through challenging times, we can have more compassion for people who may not have the same kind of life that we do. It is also about transformation, right? About how you... Uh, well, you're and you transforming yourself, but transforming also how you see things. Yes. Um, I know through my own journey, I, I have changed quite a bit about how I see life. Um, and if I had never had any problems or trials, I wouldn't have gotten that. I just wouldn't have gotten it. And again, that's um, adversity is what makes a beautiful life in a certain way. Yes, maybe not while you're in it. You, you don't yeah. always see that. <laughs> yes, but when you get to the other side of it, you see, wow, that was hard, but I learned this, 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 and this. If nothing else, sometimes we learn what is really important in our lives is not material things or Um, you know, just the things of the trappings of life. Uh, what's really important are more spiritual things. And you really don't always get the opportunity to understand what those are unless your physical self is challenged in some way. Whether you have an illness or whether you have some financial difficulties or, or something that causes you to stop and take a little different course. Mm -hmm. yeah and you know this all has been about transformation in some way and i would like to know what is your definition of transformation i think transformation is just changing perhaps what you think that you are and perhaps seeing who you really are uh and and moving yourself into a, a more of a I think of like a caterpillar who completely it metamorphoses into a completely different being from a little, you know, worm-like structure to a butterfly. They yeah. don't live long after that. Their life is very brief after they become this beautiful butterfly, but they've completely changed. Everything about them has changed. And I think that is the biggest goal about Um, transformation is whether we live a long life or not if we return to our inner self no matter what happens to our physical self we will be okay I love that yeah and you know I, I actually didn't know this thing about the caterpillar I didn't know that well I did know that its life is brief but not that it is briefer when it turns into a butterfly but Um, it comes to mind consciousness. So at least the caterpillar is conscious of its transformation because it knows how to fly now and it is aware of its new abilities, right? Yes. 
Oh, and I think um, maybe I know when I watch an animals or insects, but animals in particular, I have two cats, which are like great Zen masters, really. Mm. <laughs> when I watch them, they don't have all of the distractions that humans do. And so they're fascinated just by little things um, and frightened by little things. I mean, they are living in the moment uh, always. Um, and if something's not bothering them, they're very calm and relaxed. And I think um, if I could be more cat-like, <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. life would be better because I would be living in the moment. And so I watch them and it helps me to reflect on my own way of dealing with things uh, is mm -hmm. to just take it as it comes. They're not worrying about what they did yesterday or what they're going to do tomorrow, they live right in the moment and take things as life unfolds. Now, sometimes they fight with each other or my cat. Uh, and then the next few minutes, they're grooming each other. So, um, you know, you just take life as it comes and your life is far more peaceful. If we spend all of our time in our head, it's not very conducive to interacting with other people people mm -hmm. and you know i i guess many people think that if you live in the present maybe you are not either reflecting about your past or preparing and planning for your future so um do you think it is that way or not really but it is just about being conscious of what you are doing even if you are you know planning your future or reflecting um about your past I think there is a, a balance there. It's not to say that we don't need to think about what direction we might want to take in our life because that determines you know, what type of education we start. We may not end up doing that same thing, but we go down a pathway. And if we decide that eh, this really isn't for me, then when you're present, you don't invest eight years of your life on a doctorate For something that you don't really like. True. You change your mind and you do something different. And then reflecting on the past, I mean, we all have some beautiful memories and we all have some really not beautiful memories. And so memories are just that. The past really has no power over us any longer unless we let it. It's just a memory because if you assess your present situation and you're not in any danger like you may have been in the past, that part's over. It's just a memory and we can have learned something from that, maybe to avoid in the future uh, or maybe to do differently in the future if, a, if the opportunity presents itself. But uh, memories can be uh, very good. Uh, some memories we don't need to live over and over. And so unlike conventional therapy where you, you know, rehash all the finer details of all that, you know, may have transpired in your life. If you can see things as a learning experience in the past that has no power over you now, you can shift that immediately. You don't need, you know, five years of therapy for that. Um, If you can see things for what they were, and then 
it happened and whatever it was, even really traumatic things when you're small, uh, it wasn't your fault when you have no control over it. And so I think that can help people to shift horrible things that may have happened in someone's past and not let it continue to dominate their present. And actually, I and think again, that is... come back to the present. Yeah, because I think it also applies to the short term, right? Because I mean, I find myself many times, you know, worrying about how I did maybe in school or anything or how I will do. But but again, that will be the future and that is the past, but that's not the present moment. And that's not my my state. That's not how I am in that moment, right? It's just my my mind, my, my brain um, uh, trying to to think about that. Yes, and I think we all uh, are hard on ourselves, can be, mm -hmm. where mistakes teach us. And, you know, we all make them. Some of us don't want to admit that we make them, and that can be a problem. Uh, but if we make a mistake, we just do better the next time, now that we know better. I mean, a lot of times the mistakes we make are because we really didn't know better at the time and we did the best that we knew then. When you know better, you can do better. So Maya Angelou statement. Yeah. Yeah. When you know better, you can do better. Yeah, that, that's true. And actually, that is the beauty, again, of adversity, because you learn and you can do better. So it is a beautiful thing, not when you're going through it, but on the other side of it, <laughs> you can see the importance of having gone through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, actually, well, I, I have been loving your book and I am currently uh, reflecting about it uh, in a diary that I have. But I would like to know if there is another book you're planning to launch in the future. Uh, I haven't thought of it yet, <laughs> but I wouldn't say that I won't because um, I, I really didn't even plan to write this one. It, it was a thought that came up and it wouldn't leave me. And so I, I learned to pay attention to those. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you learn to be conscious about them. Yes, I think if it if a thought comes up more than once that's persistent about something that I need to do, when I listen, things work out well. When I don't listen, they don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, well, I have three more questions we have become usual in the podcast. So first of all, um, what would be your advice for your younger and your teen self? Not to take things so seriously. Mm -hmm. like yeah, that. it was really, um, I mean, I had a lot of fun when I was younger, but everything seemed so big and important and overwhelming and like I had to do everything right. Uh, and I would, I would tell my younger self to just relax and enjoy myself. Nice. Okay. Cool. Um, and well, then the second question that has become usual is, uh, what are some of your top book recommendations? Oh my, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. I think one of my uh, favorite books, really, and 
it's very simple, is the four agreements. Um, it says a lot in a very short little book. Uh, and, you know, he has some sequels to that too. But um, in terms of spiritual books, I also love uh, all sorts of books. It'd be difficult for me to say uh, some yeah. science fiction books I like. The Harry Potter series, I think, is great for kids in and adults because it really gets you in your imagination and to see things that are bigger than yourself with the uh, underlying theme being um, to be a better person. So yeah. there's so many, um, there's so many wonderful books. It's really hard to narrow down and all, <laughs> all, all the different genres really. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I think that is true about the science fiction and fiction in general, that you can learn many things from stories that maybe aren't intended to be focused on spirituality or personal development, right? Right. And I think I'm attracted particularly to those sorts of most allegory sort of um, books yeah. that often end up becoming movies because they lend mm -hmm. themselves to that or movie series. But yeah. uh, something that people go through trials, but they overcome at the end and become better as a human being. Um, those really, that's the kind of thing, whatever John Red is, um, if that's the underlying theme, that's what I'm attracted to. And I think a great example is uh, your experience with Star Wars and the Force. Yes, yeah, I, that I love great. that series. Uh, you know, I've watched it, I don't know how many times. Um, <laughs> my daughter likes it too. Uh, there's just that theme of something bigger than you is inside of you is very uh, appealing to me and obviously appealing to hundreds of millions of people throughout the world mm -hmm. too. So I think um, George Lucas tapped into something very important there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually, you know, uh, now talking about fiction, uh, great stories about overcoming and about transformation turn into, I mean, either best-selling books or very successful movies, right? For example, I, I love the Rocky series and, yes. you know, the, the following movies of Creed. And they're all about tra the transformation of these two guys, Rocky and Nathanis. And it's just inspiring. Yes. And really, I think that's what people pay money to see. Yeah. <laughs> they, they want to see someone who is... Uh, maybe down and out in some way or has some major problem overcome that. And I think that's the story of, of life really is mm -hmm. we're here to try to figure things out and how to return to the, to our inner wisdom to maneuver through this and have a better experience at life. And then when yeah. it all ends, this mortality, we return to this, divine consciousness that's in everybody it's in everything and so it. It, it's kind of mind-boggling just like when you look at the milky way the stars it is so mind-boggling to me i can remember my dad used to take us out on the porch and we kind of lived in a semi-rural area when we were really little and we would just lie on a deck in lawn chairs at night and you could there were weren't many street lights any street lights really So you could see 
thousands of stars which you can't see in a city. And it was mind boggling to think how many there were and how far away they were. Um, but even as a young kid, it was a spiritual experience for me because I had a sense of wonder about that and my place in the world. And these were like my earliest memories, five or six years old, but I still remember that. I love that. And actually, I think that, you know, these experiences and these stories empower people to overcome their personal um, problems and the adversity they are facing. And actually, now that you mentioned stars, since the, pan since the pandemic began, um, I started to watch the stars in the morning. I mean, here, is very, here it is very polluted, but the ones that I can see make me, you know, just reflect and make me be amazed of life. And again, you know, uh, be conscious of this existence. And I, I think that is a pretty nice thing. Yes, and I think that no matter where we are in the world, there is something in, about nature that mm -hmm. moves us to remember who we really are. So, you know, you may be in a polluted area, but you can see some stars. And that's much bigger than where whatever circumstances you may be in uh, to remind you of who you are, really, who you really are. Exactly. I love that. And well, you know, now, lastly, um, I would like to know what is something you have recently learned or discovered that you could share to us? Wow, that's a, <laughs> interesting. Um, I've recently discovered, I think, that I really don't know everything. And I think when you're young, you think you know everything, and then you go through a phase in life where you think, maybe I don't know everything, so I have to go to school. And I'm, I'm really learning that no matter how much I have learned in terms of knowledge, there's so much more that I can learn. Um, and I think with the pandemic and all that is going on with that and all of the mind boggling sort of trauma that people have gone through, I think what I am come to understand is that we through anything if we listen to our inner voice no matter what horrible circumstances we're in even if it seems insurmountable we can still get through it if we stay focused and remain present and that is not always easy to do especially when you're going through some significant hardship but when you return to that everything will be all right within you. It might not be your physical cir circumstances might not be okay, but you as a spiritual being will be okay. And I th yeah, think really yeah. writing this book and all that has gone along with that has taught me that more than I could have even imagined. So um, now I am curious, would you suggest to anyone to write their own book, to go through this, through this experience and this process? Yes, I would. And whether you, um, you know, publish it with a conventional publisher or you just share it with, you know, a handful of people, I think your own personal story is very important. 
even if you're just writing a diary. It's very important. Uh, it's important for you as the writer, and it will be important to people who pick it up and read it years later, maybe even after you're gone. Um, True. That's yeah. the, the uh, love of history that we have. We're reading about stories of people that are long gone. Uh, <laughs> we still find it fascinating um, to, to understand what they went through, even though our circumstances are very different now. Mm -hmm. Even Marcus Aurelius is a, is a great example. Yes, very, uh, I mean, you know, thousands of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> a, thousand, a couple thousand years ago. And still a very interesting uh, writing even though his physical circumstances were very different. I mean, uh, if you think about the times then, they were very, um, you know, basic in terms of, you know, we, we have smartphones and television and all these, you mm -hmm. know, advances in technology, which none of that was there. I mean, they had aqueducts, you know? mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> which was amazing at the time, but still, um, you know, they didn't have the distractions that we have. I think the more, knowledge you have the easier it is to get distracted from what's important yeah that's true and um you know one thing that uh i want to know because it sometimes uh makes me be confused what's your definition of spirituality so for me spirituality is just tapping into your inner voice your inner self because Again, what makes us alive is not this body that we're in. It is what animates that body or what moves that body. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've worked in medicine for years. And so I've seen a lot of people die. And when the person is dead, when they have died, you can sense the absence of that life inside of them I mean, you can feel that it is not there uh mm -hmm. and that is the the essence of spirituality i guess what makes that spirit inhabit this body and what makes it leave when it does mm -hmm. um, yeah and th that is too with, uh -huh, and that is too with science too because for example i think of evolution so there there was this mind this force before the body was here right and even with with physics and um things that don't have consciousness um they and there's a force that is moving them and that is making things happen yes i like that <laughs> and it's way beyond our intellect's ability to understand i mean we we learn more and more as time goes by but there's still this mystery about it that we don't know. Our brain just cannot, our human brain cannot comprehend that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, actually I, I wonder, um, so many religions, uh, you know, focus on humanity and maybe not in other species or other things, but with this other approach with spirituality, well, I mean, this is a different topic, but Um, do you think uh, that aliens <laughs> uh, could exist uh, based on this idea of the mind and the force? Yes, I just I, I think it would be very arrogant of us to think that only the Earth has life. Uh, 
perhaps it's just far enough away from us physically that we can't interfere in it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it would not make sense for the vastness of this universe for the only place where there is life forms to be here on earth. It just doesn't seem to make sense, does it? Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. And well, you know, really, I have loved this conversation and I thank you for, for accepting my invitation and for your enthusiasm to work with us at the Reader Language. Um, and well, uh, is there anything else you would like to add? No, I, I appreciate your uh, interview and uh, all your assistance with uh, having the book become more known. Uh, and I, I appreciate your time very much. Thanks. And well, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at eLikensReflections. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, and my website is www.amagnificentmetamorphosis.com. That's where I am on the website. Hey guys, so just a couple more things before finishing with today's episode. First of all, I want to thank you for listening and supporting. I hope you received tons and tons of value and enjoyed and learned something useful. Secondly, I would like to encourage you to share this to a friend or anyone you think will get value from here. It will take just a few seconds and it helps you, your friend and me a lot so that we can all keep on our transformation journey. Finally, it would be amazing if you could maybe leave a review and a rating of the podcast on iTunes or if you could subscribe to the YouTube channel or maybe follow on Instagram at the.transformation.journey. So that is it for today. Again, I thank you for listening and for your support. See you next time.